0: This is the Rise of the Young Podcast, bringing you insights from the most innovative entrepreneurs and influencers of this era. Hosted by 17-year-old entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and branding expert, Casey Adams. Now, let's get right into the show.
1: Yo, what up, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today, we got Adam Graham Mason here with us today. Pleasure, pleasure having you on, man.
0: Hey, appreciate it, man. Happy to be here. Uh, for the record, we're going by Adam22. Uh, sure. <laughs> I left my government name many years ago, but it's, you know, I, I still respect it, but I, I like to go by the number.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say, so everyone listening, Adam, he runs the podcast, No Jumper. I'm sure a lot of you listening know what it is. You've tuned in. Goes by Adam22, I was getting to that, but yeah, man, pretty much how I want to start this off, man, for the people that don't know who you are, kind of where you're from and how you've got into this whole hip-hop culture, what you have now with No Jumper, so kind of just like the brief intro story before we really jump into it.
0: Yeah, so I'm a pretty regular-ass kid from uh, New Hampshire, I um, was, you know, it's, it's about. I grew up about 30 minutes outside of Boston, and my whole life I just had this completely obsessive personality where... Whatever I was into, I was just a hundred percent into it. Like whether it was a, a professional wrestling or comic books or video yeah. games or whatever the fuck it was. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point I fell in love with BMX bikes and then that became my life for like maybe 10 years. I started when I was about 12 or 13. And then that, that was my life until I was about 22. And when I was 22, I uh, was, you know, I've always been a big rap fan too. And I was paying attention to what was going on in the the hip-hop blog space. And I started to see that there were all these uh, rap blogs popping up like Now nah Right and uh, Two Dope Boys, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they had a pretty basic formula, you know, that is recognizable to anybody today of like basically what a blog is where, you know, they would just cover, uh, you know, new magazine covers, new songs, new music videos, just all that stuff in the hip-hop space. And I was looking at that stuff every day and – uh you know, I noticed like a profound change in my behavior because, you know, I had been a person where since the age of maybe like 11 or 12, I was buying, uh, you know, hip-hop magazines every month like The Source and XL and Murder Dog. And uh, I just noticed that my behavior stopped. Like I spotted that in myself that I, I changed up my behavior and stopped looking at magazines and started just checking blogs. And so then I noticed that in BMX that magazines were huge, but there weren't really any significant websites. So I figured that I wanted to start, you know, a website that could document what was going on in BMX culture, basically take the stuff that was going on in the message boards, like, you know, YouTube videos, MySpace videos, uh, you know, photos that people were taking, that kind of stuff. And I wanted to be able to sort of cover that online. So I started doing that aggregating content. And then that sort of uh, led me in the direction of, uh, you know, and that changed my life because before that, you know, I was selling drugs, doing credit card scams. And, uh, and, you know, after that, I kind of, I found my way into online poker, but then online poker led me into the the BMX uh, website thing. So I was doing that for a while, kind of started to get bored with just, you know, running a regular blog. So we started to get real heavy into the YouTube side of things. And I started to do vlogs, and I started to do podcasts and, you know, Pretty quickly with the the podcast thing, I found myself wanting to do podcasts. I went outside of BMX as I sort of gained confidence with doing BMX podcasts, and that led me in the direction of doing rap podcasts because that's just something I've always been into. And then all of a sudden it became uh, the case pretty quickly that the the rap podcasts were a lot more popular than the BMX podcasts, and I sort of uh, had to adapt and and change up my content, and it's just
1: been a, a roller coaster for the past few years. For sure. So, when did you actually start your podcast? Like, was it how many years ago?
0: Um, you know, I was messing with it for a while. I, I if you if you were to search TCU TV on YouTube, you find all kinds of weird stuff. Or especially if you search Interbike, because we were in Vegas, we like rented out a suite and we tried to do podcasts with um all kinds of different BMX companies that advertised with us. Like that's what we were trying to do for a while. And then and then over time, I sort of found my style, which I guess is more you know just doing like in depth interviews, like hardcore conversations, because I feel like I kind of exist in a weird space where I can relate to an 18-year-old rapper kid because I never really stopped living that life completely. But then I can also relate to, you know, a 40-year-old businessman because I have experience in terms of building companies and all that kind of stuff too. So...
1: I so when you say you started, like, the BMX podcast, was that like... Because you have a store, um, like a physical store, and where is it? In Melrose, right?
0: Yeah, it's in uh, Los Angeles on Melrose. It's about, like, a half a mile from the Supreme Store. Um, okay. So it's, it's, you know, a pretty uh, hip area, and, and we're happy to uh, be out here and sort of be able to spread, like, BMX culture to, okay. uh, you know, all the streetwear kids and stuff like that. Because a lot of these people, BMX is not, like, a huge part of modern pop culture like it was in the 90s or whatever so it's cool for us to be able to sort of be the cultural point for people who are into that stuff and to have no jumper be part of it because a lot of a lot of my fans w- wouldn't really know anything about bmx if it wasn't from for no jumper so cool. yeah,
1: sure. that's dope actually i was i used to do like bmx i was in a bunch of different competitions and shit for like two three years so that's that's dope so when it comes to like the podcast with like going from BMX to rap. I know I've, I've checked out a lot of your stuff regarding like you had Xavier Wolf on, you had a few of these guys. Was that something where like you've already had these mutual relationships or how did like that entire rap scene podcasting interviewing come about?
0: Well, if you look at how I got into rap podcasting, really it's like you only need one connection if you're good or if you, if you're you know doing the right things. Like for me, Xavier Wolf was my only connection to hip hop. He was the only person I knew in the rap scene. The only reason I knew him was because he was into BMX and he was always like coming through our shop and stuff. And I just randomly reached out to him on Twitter because I was a fan of what him and Bones and Chris Travis and them were doing. So, uh, you know, I I reached out to him. We started kicking it a little bit. He's the only rapper kid that I knew at the time. And so I did an interview with him that went well. And then, uh, hit me up. Puya was like, yo, I I fucking love that interview that Mm -hmm. you did with Xavier. He's like, I want you to be my first interview. So this to me at that time is like, you know, now I know all these super famous rappers and stuff. So it doesn't, I'm able to see more realistically that like, they weren't really like that big of rappers at the time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, these are guys who at that time could sell out, you know, a thousand tickets at a show. Now they could probably do 2000 tickets at a show. So I was geeking because I love rap music my whole life, but I Mm -hmm. never really had like a way that I was, uh, participating in the culture besides just listening to it and maybe like posting some songs on Twitter or something. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, to really think about that, I only knew one guy, but that one guy was enough for me to sort of wedge my foot in the door and really like get get my way into that space, which is it's kind of important for like a young entrepreneur to hear that I think because, you know, you could go be an assistant or you could go, you know, be an intern at some company and just meet like the one right person that could completely take your career in a different direction.
1: For sure, for sure, that's dope. That's badass. So, was it like when you when you like had those couple interviews? Was it was it more of like a word of mouth effect where you're just like you got him on, you got Puya, you got Fat Nick on, and then they just started bringing in more people, or you were just reaching out, or like how did you? Like I saw you were like the first interview for Lil Yachty, right? Like, was that like his first kind of conversation when he was coming up?
0: You know, it was really just like I I got the first interviews for a lot of artists who went on to be really big. And that was just genuine because like when I interviewed, uh, XXX Tentacion, he only had like, uh, like 12,000 or 15,000 followers on SoundCloud or whatever. And now he's got like 3 million, I think. Yeah. And so like that one, that was my biggest interview I ever did. And that, and that was like, when you think about it, that was just a, the fact that that was such a big thing for me and that that propelled my career in the right direction was just because of the fact that I like took a chance on a kid who wasn't proven yet at that time and like, Same thing with Lil Pump. Like all those videos I did with him, they got like six or seven million views. I mean, he wasn't really that big when I met him. He had like 5,000 followers when I met him. He was brand new. But I just like, you know, and and that right there I think is important for for a young entrepreneur to see too. It's like, you know, if you take chances on building relationships with lots of different people, it doesn't matter if maybe they're not the biggest at that time or the best or the most useful to you. It's like over time, all those relationships can kind of come together to help you get where you want to
1: go. For sure, no, that's that's badass. So with you, like, kind of taking a step back, because um, you said you grew up in New Hampshire, right? So like, when did you move to LA, and like, what was the reasoning? Was did you have a plan, or how'd that all go? Well, yeah, I lived in New Hampshire, Nashville, New Hampshire, half hour outside
0: of Boston. That's why I always say, because when people hear New Hampshire, they think like that I lived on a fucking ski resort or something. <laughs> you know, I basically lived in like a pretty regular ass little small New England city, with, like eighty thousand people or whatever. But from from a super young age riding BMX and everything I just knew that I wasn't meant to be there because we used to go to go to Boston every weekend or we we'd be like getting one of our friends to drive us to Lowell or Manchester New Hampshire or something like that just to ride BMX and I just like pretty quickly got accustomed to that feeling of like oh I don't want to be on my block I don't want to be in my neighborhood I want to be getting out there and seeing the fucking world and that's like the main Really, when I think about BMX, that's the biggest thing that it gave me aside from maybe just like the, the knowledge that I got from running the BMX website is just that that passion, and that dedication to getting myself out there. So re- at a really young age, we are going to Boston and stuff all the time. All of a sudden, I'm like 17. I'm in New York City for the first time. And I was always in love with hip hop too. So just being able to be out in, in the Bronx and in Queens riding BMX bikes and hearing like Cars blasting like G unit and dip set like in the very early days of those artists coming out and stuff. It was just like an unreal thing for me to experience that at a young age. And I got to thank BMX for that because that's what got me out of my shell and made me sort of want to take on challenges and get out there and see the world. So yeah, I moved to, I moved to, um, to Astoria, Queens when I was like right, right, right before my 21st birthday. I was out there for seven years. I also lived in a uh, Bushwick which at the time was not uh, the, the fun gentrified cool version of Bushwick that it is now but but uh, and then I left out of there in
1: 2010 and I uh, lived in Long Beach for a while and then I've been in LA ever since that's dope that's dope so when it, when it comes to like your um, transition of like BMX to the hip-hop game was it something like you had to like because you have so you still have like the BMX story are you still invested and involved in the BMX scene at all or how does that look
0: yeah, you know, like we still have the BMX store. I still have the BMX website, the ComeUp.com, and uh, I'm going to be totally honest: the BMX scene is not really as strong as it was at a certain point, in the sense that there's just, you know, not as much going on with the, the, in terms of the website and everything. There's just not as many videos coming out and everything. But we still have bloggers who make stuff. We still have videos that come on our YouTube channel. Um, for me personally, you know, it's kind of like. It's the kind of thing where I want BMX. I want to find more BMX kids who really care about making BMX content, sort of yeah. empower them. But it's been kind of a struggle to find, uh, people who want to do that stuff. So I mean, on a personal level, I'm really focused on building no jumper, but the BMX connection that I feel we still have is mainly through the store because, you know, we have kids coming through constantly. We're selling bikes to kids, helping them fix their bikes, selling parts, giving them a place to hang out. We got like a grind ledge in front and stuff. So I mean, yeah. that's, that's definitely. Really valuable to me, even though I don't have much of a role with the website anymore. Just the fact that we still have the shop and I'm able to have like a one-on-one relationship with so many BMX kids all the time is really uh, awesome. Just to be able to see them, and I, I know that like even though I don't do BMX content anymore, that they seem like they re- respect and appreciate the yeah. stuff
1: that that I'm doing. Like you're holding it together out there, you know. <laughs> that's yeah, dope. You know,
0: I'm putting on for their shit. You know, <laughs> on, like, a Different level and a different context, I think. So
1: that's badass. That's badass. So when it comes to um, when it comes to just I know that when it comes to like interacting on Instagram, social media, No Jumper in general, because I know that you have merged with No Jumper, but like from your point of view, where No Jumper is now, like what's like your like where you want to take it as like a visionary standpoint? Is it like a record label? Is it just uh you want to be the spotlight for hip hop like you currently are? Like what's kind of like your vibe with everything you got going on from like a long like just kind of like a thought process looking forward. Uh Um.
0: well, to be honest, like I really felt like at a certain point I, could, I, 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 I decided that No Jumper just became something that I didn't plan for it to be in the sense that it just became known as this hub for all of the cool new young viral rap shit. And that's not necessarily what I planned for it to be, but that's what it turned into because that was just the kind of stuff that I knew about. So for a while, I was sort of resisting that and being like, "Nah, I, I don't want to go fully hip hop because you know that comes with all sorts of like responsibilities and everything." I, but you know, at a certain point, I just realized, you know, that's what people want from me with the No Jumper thing. So I'm just going to give it to them. I'm just going to, you know, actually make you know the best possible hip hop media company that I can. I'm really focused on doing that for the next you know however many years of my life, is I just want to really build the best hip-hop media company I can. And, you know, I still, uh, you know, I like doing things on my own and stuff. Like, I'm starting my own podcast just called The Adam 22 Show, and that's just going to be kind of uh, more of like a host chat type thing for people who might be interested in that. And, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's that's my main goal. Like, I do want to develop stuff for TV, but I want to develop a media company, and that's what I'm really, like, completely focused on at this point. In terms of doing merch and stuff. You know, that's a good way to keep the lights on. You don't make that much on YouTube these days if you do the kind of content that we do with guns and weed and <laughs> stuff like that. So Demonetize it or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, we're big, big demonetization gang that's for dumb. sure.
1: Damn, that's ugh. <laughs> well, up? So when it comes to, I, I was reading some of the, some of your comments on Instagram and stuff. People are always like, just when it comes to like your character, like connecting with fans, whether it be taking pictures and stuff. So what's like your mindset with like you have obviously as like an Adam Twenty Two personal brand, like six hundred thousand followers and you have the no jumper brand, but when it comes to like your interaction with your audience, I've seen a lot of people say that like they just totally vibe with you. So what's like your kind of mindset about the personal brand that you've created, the way that you go about it? Like, do you have certain limits that you do or what's like your just whole thought process interacting with fans and people that support you? I mean, I love my fans
0: and like, I, I try to take as many photos as I can and everything. I definitely, sometimes at a certain point you realize that you just got to be a dick and, like, <laughs> when you're like running through a show trying to get to the backstage area and there's like a million people screaming that they want a photo, you got to just be like, nah, you got to just put your head down and keep heading there because you can't do it. But, you know, for the most part, I try to hang out my store as much as possible and just like meet people and, you know, I love it. I get to take, take pictures with like eight-year-old girls and then like all of a sudden their 40-year-old dad is like, yo, can I get a photo too? And that's like, <laughs> just, like just realize like, oh man, there's like, Whole families that are vibing with me, even though my content is completely not family friendly. I don't know, but um, for me, like in terms of how I see myself fitting into that whole uh, the whole YouTube world stuff, I try to just be the realest vlogger. Like I try to be the realest podcaster. I try to be honest about everything. Like I, I try to be honest about drugs and sex and how yes. I feel and what I'm doing business wise. I try to lay as much stuff out on the table as possible in terms of what I'm doing with my business because I feel like. People relate to that. And like, like I, I just put out a vlog today, and there's a moment where um, my fucking, I, I pull up my pant leg so I can show uh, my friend my my tattoo of a Pokemon on my leg, and yeah. when I'm pulling, because he had the same Pokemon tattooed on his throat. Got out Rizzo, Rizzo. But anyway, I, I pulled up my pant leg to show him, and my pant leg got stuck on top of my calf, and I had to pull it down. It took me like 10 minutes of pulling my calf, pulling my jeans down. And uh, I left it in. I could have left it out. I, I could have took it out. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. But I left it in because I want to be the realest YouTuber, whatever the fuck you want to call me. I'm just trying to be the realest. So that's, all, that's my personal ethos.
1: That's dope. That's dope. So when it comes to um just like the hip hop culture in general with like... The different people that you've interviewed, you, like you said, like you've interviewed, like, from people that just gotten started, started and then, like, the big superstars in a sense. So when it comes to, I was looking through some of your comments and it's like, XXL freshman predictions. Like, who do you think's hot right now that, like, Lilith Pump went from, like, when you interviewed him to mainstream in a sense. And I'm sure you have a different outlook and taste about, like, who's currently making moves. But, like, what's, like, from your insights about, like, someone who's up and coming that you think people should know about or they will within the next six months or something?
0: I mean, you know, it's crazy because people ask me that a lot, and the weird thing about answering it is that there's very many, like, different levels to the underground. Like, for instance, I don't know how deep you are in the underground. I could say Lil Skies is, like, the next big star out of the underground. But, I mean, the thing is, Lil Skies just hit a million followers on Instagram. Lil Skies has multiple songs with, like, 40 million plays. So... In terms of how deep I am into the underground, me saying that Lil Skies is next up seems kind of obvious. So it's really all about who you're talking about. You know, I could say the same thing about YBN Namir. I mean, he just hit a million followers too. A lot of people who are like rap fans, they might still not know who YBN Namir is, even though he's got a song like "Rubbing Off the Paint that's got, you know, whatever, 50 million plays or some shit like that. So um I don't know. It's tough to say. And I could really dig deep. I could go all the way deep underground and and name off somebody like um, oh 10 cell phones man we were jamming out to 10 cell phones last night on the live stream and he got some hits i mean he got hits but i'm talking about he got like 2500 plays or actually i really want to show love to pimp Pimp Pete cuz he got a song called p talk and uh, you know that's that's my friend desto dubs little brother and he he he's just like a, a ridiculous uh, la character who says it's regular about 800 times per song so I mean, it's all about what different level you want to look at in the underground, but I got all the levels covered because I'm paying attention to everything. So That's dope. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Hip-hop ain't even close to over.
1: Okay, that's dope. That's dope. So when it comes to like, I, I see that you go and do like deep dive and you know the underground like deep, deep. So when it comes to like you kind of figuring out or finding the people, is that just from like looking through social media and analyzing or like what's like kind of your thought press of like whether that be discovering someone or just like really... Figuring, figuring out who's next up or you're listening to these people, is there like certain strategies you use or just like just being on content, staying on and watched and just like really making it happen? I mean, I, I I imagine that if I was not such
0: an authentic like participant in the culture that it would be kind of a challenge to stay on top of like everything that's coming out. And I'm not saying that I'm on top of everything because a lot of times I'll find out about some rapper for the first time and he already got a million followers and he already got songs with millions of plays and shit like that. You know, I'm just paying attention. Like, a lot of times stuff might get by me a little bit, but you know, I, I pay attention. You know, like, I, I have a lot of friends. A lot of them are younger. For young kids, like, when, when you, like, you know, just because I have a store is that I got a lot of friends who are like, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old dudes. And like, they know because they're just in the streets. So, like, if there's some hot song, I got 50,000 plays and it's just popping off in LA, I mean, they're going to tell me about it because they're <laughs> eager to tell me about that shit because they know that I'm going to help that dude get more attention if the shit is good or whatever. So for me, at this point, it's super easy because I just, you know, not only do I spend so much time on Twitter, not only do I spend so much time on YouTube, not only do I talk to so many, like, people are actually, like, participants in the music industry in the sense of, like, A&Rs, label dudes, stuff like that, but then the fans, like, I mean, I can't get away from it. Like, if there's a rapper popping up who have got 100,000 followers, there's no chance that I'm going to miss his name being said over and over in my comments, so... I, it's just, it's easy, it's regular for me at this point, but I mean, it, it helps that I actually just like this shit. Like, I've always been that person. Like, yeah. my, my assistant, or whatever you want to call him, Chris, he was uh, just talking about that the other day to a reporter or whatever. He's like, man, it's weird to see Adam getting this recognition now because he was just like, you know, Adam was always that dude. He was always waking up in the morning and freaking out about some 18 year old rapper and being like, yo, you gotta hear this song. Which, okay. you know, somebody like Chris is kind of more a regular guy. It's like, that was weird, but not weird, but, you know, it's different. For me, It's just, that's how I always know.
1: Okay, dope, dope. So, kind of moving on to another one, like, when it comes to, cause I, I really, with the Gary Vee interview, and that was something where I, I've, I saw on you before, and then I saw the Gary Vee interview, so, I, cause it's like, you're, you're doing all these rappers, and Gary Vee's kind of like the entrepreneur figure, and I know, like, you said it from the beginning, like, you have different people, but how did that kind of come about? Because it's, like, two very different genres, even though Gary Vee's, like, in the culture in a sense, but, like, how did that kind of whole story evolve and that whole just Gary V sort of collab happen, do you think? I mean, I got hooked up with that interview through this dude, Rama,
0: that I know who runs, like, a weed branding agency, and he's kind of friends with uh, Gary. So he basically just mentioned it to Gary. Gary, like, recognized that he'd seen my name in his comments and stuff like that. Like, Gary to his credit is like in a weird way, he's like obsessed with social media and, you know, keeping abreast of what's going on in the culture and shit. Like he, like how I was just saying that, you know, I'll have some 19 year old kid from Watts who, you know, just hangs out around the store and he'll be like telling me about new rappers. that I got to look at And that's not necessarily like an intentional thing on my part. That's just kind of how it's uh, the situation I found myself in. But with somebody like Gary, he got a guy on his team that he refers to as like his music consultant or some shit like that. So they had just gone to a agenda together, which is this big like fashion trade show in Long Beach and Vegas and stuff. And they had just been at that. And Gary was saying like, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I like, uh, I like Trippy Red. I like Boo Johnson, who's a professional skateboarder. He's just like, you know, cause he's just, he knows Gary, even being a fucking old ass, crusty man like he is, he knows. <laughs> That he's got to stay abreast of what's going on in the culture, like, and that, that him knowing about something like Trippy Red is only going to help him in his, uh, career. And, uh, you know, I like, I like that about Gary that he's, he's, he's gone out of his way to sort of end up in a situation that helps him be more culturally affluent, which is, I like that about him that he knows that that's important. For
1: sure. That's dope. So when it comes to, from your insights of like one of your kind of, not biggest interviews, but one one of your favorite interviews, one of the favorite people that you connected with through the No Jumper Podcast. Do you have like a top three or not even just to put someone over someone, but like a good conversation that you've had from like a story they've told or anything like that?
0: Man, I mean there's so many like historic moments that occurred on the podcast from you know rappers showing up trying to fight other rappers in the middle of interviews, which is like something that we didn't actually put in the video, but it's you know it's folklore, like people know about it a little bit. Um, to you know one of my favorite things that i was able to be a part of was that i was doing the suicide boys interview and Puya showed up in the middle of the interview uh, along with fat Nick i believe and they had never met before which is you know they had done mixtapes before or had done a mixtape before a bunch of songs together and uh Puya showed up in the middle of the interview but the, all the communication they had had was like over the computer or whatever and they met in the middle of the interview which to me was just like that's crazy like that that Captured like a big, big moment in both of their careers because Puya was like instrumental in the Suicide Boys' career, and uh, I don't know, that was that was crazy. And then like another one that comes to mind is like I did the first Yachty interview, and when I did that interview, he was like this super like I don't want to say insecure, but he was super new to being famous, doing something like an interview, and and he was just so green, so brand new. To to this whole thing. And then we did an interview about like a year and nine months afterwards, I believe, maybe a year and a half. And we redid another interview and it was just amazing just seeing him. Basically, he'd been around the world, got rich, grew the fuck up, fucked a million girls. Like it was just amazing to like see it come full circle because he had gone from like a boy to a man in a year and a half. And, uh, I mean, again, that's just, that's just organic shit because I had been in the studio with Lil Pump. Like two nights before, and I seen Yachty there, and Yachty was like, Yo, you want to do another interview? I was like, Yeah, let's do it. And I didn't think he was going to actually hit me up, and then he just hit me up. Like okay. uh, a couple days later, boom, we did it. And I mean, that's that again, that's just like the kind of stuff that comes from actually being out here. Like, I, I knew about a little Yachty when they had 10,000 followers because I actually give a shit.
1: Okay, so it's just like you're just deep into it enough to like know about the people before the mainstream in a sense, and I totally get that for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you got to – whatever you're doing, all I'm saying is you got to just be so fucking passionate about whatever you're doing that you got to just eat it, live it, sleep yeah. it, eat it. And if you don't have that – like, if somebody is looking at what I got right now, they're like, oh, he's a 34-year-old white guy and he runs a hip-hop media company. That's cool. He runs a popular hip-hop podcast. If somebody wants that, it's like, all right, well, the number one thing you got to do is you got to pay attention to this fucking culture and be an active participant in it for, you know, probably at least 10 years. And then maybe you'll have like an opinion that people are, are are interested in hearing when it comes to this rap shit. Because it's not it's not a forgiving culture. The fact that I've even been able to exist as a fucking white boy is a challenge in and of itself. So I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta really mean it because people are very eager to call out a fake.
1: Okay, for sure, for sure. Let's go. No, no, that's that's some real shit, I feel you. So when it comes to um just your involvement of like, what were you at last year, you'd say, when it comes like subscribers on YouTube? Like, what's been like the growth process over the last year, two years?
0: Um, well, I know that like a year ago I had 50,000 on Instagram, and now I got like almost 600,000. So I was thinking about that the other day. That's pretty crazy. And, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I think I had like, uh, maybe like 300,000, like okay. 400,000 subscribers like a year ago. Yeah. So yeah, like 1.1 million now. That's pretty exciting, but. You know, <laughs> It's just that constant grind, just putting in work and just doing shit online. And, like, it's crazy because I, I could not find the energy to put in that work if I didn't absolutely love what I was doing. Because yeah. you know, I'm just a person that's directed by my mood, directed by my energy, whatever the fuck I feel like doing, you know? For sure, for sure.
1: So, when it comes to, like, um, it says you dropped out of college, right? Like, was that ever a path for you at all? Or, like, yes you said you went to a community college and then dropped out. Like, what was that? Pre moving to LA, sort of BMX, Adam. Before that, like, did you ever plan on kind of not even starting a media company, but like just being an entrepreneur, creating your own shit, or what was like your mindset like before this all started?
0: My mindset when I was 19 or whatever, and I dropped out of college, was basically that at the time I was doing credit card fraud and I was selling drugs. And I just was like, man, fuck this shit. I hate college. I want to drop the fuck out and, you know, just make money and be able to do whatever I want, be able to travel around, travel around, ride my bike, do whatever. So that's why I dropped out of school and I moved to New York. Totally stupid decision. Really like, you know, kids, you don't want to be living a life of crime. shit is bad news. But I don't know. For some reason, uh, that seemed like a good idea to me at the time. And I did it. And I managed to make it work out. But, you know, for the kids out there, I would probably recommend a more, uh, A little bit less of a risky strategy in terms of how to go about making it, but you know that's where I was at that point. I didn't give a fuck about college. I never wanted to be there. I only went to college because uh, my my parents told me that I basically had two options. I could go to college, and I could uh, and I could not like that. I wouldn't have to pay rent. I could stay at home and not have to pay rent, or that I could get a full time job and pay them rent. I was like, man. about it too was that like my parents, they're really serious with education and shit. I, I didn't care at all personally, but they, uh, my mom was a librarian for the state of Massachusetts, so she was able to like get me, uh, get me in there for, for yeah. free, basically. So I was able to go to college for free. So I didn't, even though I didn't care about it at all, it gave me an opportunity to at least figure out what I was missing out on and it didn't like cost my parents much. That's dope.
1: That's dope. So with that, cause I, I cause I'm 17 right now, bro. And I'm, I graduate high school like, June or some shit I plan on moving out to LA and like I feel like because for me like the kind of atmosphere I'm in with like I have a lot of these young kind of entrepreneurs that are following me like what would be like a tip to them that they not necessarily want to go the conventional route and like they want to create shit but some of them don't have just I wouldn't say the drive but they don't have the results you'd say yet so what would you say from like someone that's created something from idea that like you want to give to someone that's whether that be my age or 20 year olds that just are wanting to do something but they're just not there yet I mean, from the perspective of, like, who I've seen kind of make it
0: make their way into my good graces and, like, in terms of my organization, and it, I imagine that this is probably pretty similar to what you could do if you wanted to work for anyone, but, like, all right, there's there's a kid named uh, Philosophy who does editing for me, edits a lot of the exposed interviews that have all the crazy animations in the background stuff like that. I also get help from my friend Charlie Crumlish, but uh, Philosophy does a lot of it, and the way I started working with him was just because he took an interview that I did and chopped it up and and uh, put some sound effects and weird like animations and stuff like that. So he was just a real fan who was yeah. watching all my stuff and actually had enough of a sense of humor to make a video out of one of my interviews that went viral like on Instagram and got like a million views. And 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 on top of that, this is what's crazy is because it was of Rico Reckless, who's like one of my favorite people, uh, hilarious fucking dude, great rapper, great hip-hop personality, great American, really, yeah. and uh, he chopped this up of, of Rico, and, and Rico downloaded it and put it on his Instagram, and fucking Chance the Rapper, of all people, commented on it with a bunch of crying, laughing faces, which, to me, was just like, whoa, yeah. like, it, like, talk about making it obvious to me that he would be a useful part of No Jumper. Yeah. He made a video that was so fucking funny that Chance the Rapper felt the need to die laughing mm-hmm. to it, so like, Basically, yeah. that says a lot right there. And uh, so I ended up hiring him, and he does, like, tons of work for me. And I'm trying to get him to move out to L.A. and stuff. And, like, that's just an example of how you can make it. Another example is this kid, Dylan. He's this fucking white kid with long blonde hair who he just sort of, like, applied to be an intern. We had him in. He takes photos. He can do Photoshop. He's around. He rolls blunts. And he just, you know, fit he fit in good. You know, it's it was obvious that he was a fan of, you know, you know, me to a certain extent, as well as like the rappers and everything, but you know, he was cool and he, he wasn't annoying. He he found his way like to make himself useful. But he was always offering to do different stuff for free. Oh, you need me to drop mm-hmm. this product to this warehouse or you need me to do this, blah blah blah. So now we pay him because he like made himself so useful that we just needed him around. Yeah. So to, to kids out there, that's what I would recommend, like if you really like want to do something, do a really really good job of it on your own. Like if you wanted to be the next personality on no jumper, if you wanted to make a name for yourself as being an on camera personality, I would recommend you start a fucking YouTube channel and Instagram and a Twitter and just make videos talking about stuff and try to get my attention and you know try to get people who work for me's attention and just try to make a splash. And if you could if you could do good stuff, it's so easy these days to prove yourself. Like. If you want to be a writer, just you know, you've got to start a blog and start a Twitter and start writing and just try to make a name for yourself. And if a lot of people work and, and toil away for years and years, and they feel like, oh, like people are out here going viral because they're doing fuck shit and everything like that, but that's part of it. Like you got to figure out how to market your shit on your own. And it's, it's strange to say, but you got to figure out how to make shit go viral on your own. Like that's a big part of the skill that it takes to work for a media company these days. So. You know, if you really got it in you, if you if you really, like, understand the Internet, I wouldn't be worried about you. Like, you can make it in sure. this life if you if you just really understand the platform that you're dealing with.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just saw your um, the interview with Supreme Patty. They were talking all about that shit, about, like, he was doing, like, the simple shit, and then he started going wild because he saw, like, the boom game that went viral as shit. So when it comes to, like, catch, not even catching trends, but just, like, interacting with what what's actually happened, is that just something, like you'd recommend to people just like figuring out what works and just doing that shit full force? Yeah, I mean, just paying attention to what's going on in the internet, paying attention to what works.
0: And I mean, there's a realization at a certain point that's like maybe, you know, we don't know what Supreme Patty is gonna do with his life. (laughs) Is Supreme Patty gonna be a senator? Is Supreme Patty gonna be, you know, a congressman? I don't know, maybe he he could do whatever he wants with his life. All I know is that he got 2.7 million Instagram followers off of squeezing limes into his eyes and, you know, taking bong hits of pubes or whatever the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and, and I respect that because it's like I don't know necessarily what the greater message is of what Supreme patty's going to do with his career going forward. But making all these ridiculous videos, at the very least, has gotten him somewhere. And, I mean, I would just say, like, you know, all right, take my buddy Roy Purdy. Roy oh, yeah. Purdy is a hilarious dude. He's one of the coolest dudes I've met in a long time. He's, like, 19 and he made up, he got like almost 2 million Instagram followers from making videos of him dancing. Yeah. Like, that's funny. Like, funny. That's, this the, is funny. that's <laughs> the coolest shit ever. You know, because it's like he, honestly, like he's doing merch now. He's making music now. Super talented. He made a name for himself from doing these stupid ass dances. And he might be the next Michael J. Fox because he, you know, did some dances and got a name for himself. And then who knows? He could be an actor from there. He could be a, a celebrity, whatever. I just was talking to him. I'm like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm off. He's with some video game company doing a brand deal. I'm like, you know, he's probably making like a very significant amount of money from doing that as well as going to go have this cool experience at video game company. That's the kind of thing that people out there would kill to be able to do. Look at Roy, man. He made a name for himself up doing stupid ass dances. You could do it too.
1: Yeah, that's that's badass as fuck. So last question. I got like two more things. So when it comes to like. Because I always talk about to, like, people, like, for example, like, I got drama on the podcast from, like, a DM. Same thing with you. I sent you a DM. So when it comes to, like, communication with social media, like, I always, like, preach to everyone that's fucking messaging me as, like, I just like communication with Instagram, whatever it may be, just, like, to build relationships. But, like, when it comes to you, like, reading messages or even, like, being on this podcast, like, what's your mentality, like, what did that be to just, like, you got back to me, we made this happen, like, to get, not even back to your fans, but just, like, to take time out of your day. Do you consider, like, because drama, when I was talking to him, he was like, it's kind of just the thing to do now rather than, like, a smaller interview on a publication. So what's, like, your mindset towards, like, interviews, but just with people like me that has a podcast that's, like, building their stuff up, but someone's established like you? Like, what's kind of your mentality with all that? I mean, like...
0: I, like, if you think, I think it's very important to work your way up the ladder because I wouldn't have responded to you if you were like, yo, I'm starting a podcast. I want you to be my first guest. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't even bother to respond. But like, I saw the fact that you interviewed drama and you had a few other pretty uh, significant guests on and stuff. I'm, I'm cool with drama. I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll do this podcast because I like to be able to do interviews with people who are just kind of starting out or, or newer to it and stuff, you know. I, I, I like that, but, you know, I, obviously, I don't respond to, like, 99% yeah, of people yeah. asking me to do their podcast. But, um, yeah, and I, I think it's a really important. It's, like, if you're just starting out, if you're somebody out there that's, like, looking at your podcast and is wondering how they can get an interview with me, well, number one is, like, you probably shouldn't shoot for somebody at my level. I'm not saying I did anything too crazy or that I'm some giant fucking celebrity. But, you know, getting somebody at my level might be a little bit difficult. Like, I didn't start. I just did a fucking – I just had Jake Cole on my blog. I, I just did that's it the same week and Lil Zan and all these guys who are pretty well known. Like I, I do that kind of stuff all the time, to be honest. But, you know, I didn't start out doing that. I started out with like a lot of like really underground rappers. And I think that's a big part of showing that you're serious is like, if you're going to start something, maybe just go hard in the direction of doing people who are like killing it on a smaller local level. Like if you, if I lived in fucking, Nebraska right now and I really want to start a podcast I would be trying to at first at least I'd be trying to be the illest Nebraska podcast ever because number one you're going to get your skills up you're going to get good at what you're doing and like then also you're going to be able to you could be beloved in a certain area like you could have the coolest podcast in a certain area and it would be really easy to figure out what kind of media outlets you need to go reach out to or what radio shows you could maybe go be on and stuff if you're working in like a really smaller area or you know not physically smaller but with less like active participants in the culture and everything if you're in a smaller area you don't have to move to L.A. and try to make it you could like do a really good job documenting your local scene and then maybe blossom out from there that's like the biggest uh, recommendation I would give for people is like you know just go hard doing stuff uh, for people that you believe in on a smaller underground level because that's what works for me
1: that's dope that's badass so yeah the last thing before we wrap this up so when it comes to just like Number one, I know you have like your YouTube, your like your Instagram, you're really engaging on there. What's like the best way people to follow you? And like also with the podcast, when it comes to, because I just kind of got started my podcast a couple months ago. When it comes to like the whole voice situation, because like I just read Gary V's new book. He's talking all about like Amazon Alexa. And this is kind of just like a personal question to you. Are you doing anything like the extra stuff, like the Amazon Alexa stuff, the Alexa briefings, like the new upcoming trends with voice or like what's your... Thoughts about that? And that's just coming from like, dude. I don't dude know.
0: What the hell you're talking about? <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know anything about all that shit.
1: Oh shit! Oh, shit. Never mind that. Yes. What is
0: that? What's that all about?
1: So yes, I mean, because I got uh, Gary's new book, whatever, crushing it. He his last chapter is just like voice first, and he's just like just going the hell on. Like this is my favorite chapter. It's about podcasting. It's about Amazon Alexa voice, and like you know, there's Alexa shits, right? You can like ask him questions and stuff. No. You don't Amazon Alexa? You don't know about them? No. Well, dude, this are crazy. So it's like. Amazon has, like, the little Alexa. You can be like, hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Hey, Alexa, play the Gary Vee audio experience. Hey, Alexa, play the No Jumper podcast. And it's just like a voice, um, just platform, but it's like you put it in your room, you put it in your bathroom, or whatever it may be. But, like, these these flash briefing shits, it's just like they're one-minute things. If you say, like, yo, Alexa, what's my briefings? And, like, if you would come on, like, the No Jumper briefing, it would be like you would talk about we interviewed blah, 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 blah this week. Make sure you go check it out on the YouTube channel. So it's like briefings about, like, what's happening in your – outer world, like the YouTube channel, the Instagrams or whatever, but it's just like a way to keep people on task, like if they're asking these voice kind of questions on like a fast-paced basis. Damn,
0: interesting. I don't know. I never heard of that. It sounds kind of fucking out there to me, too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I got Siri on my phone. I used it about two times ever in my whole life. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting old. I fucking, I was kind of late to Snapchat, too, to be totally honest.
1: Okay, dope, dope. <laughs> no, I was just wondering if you were doing that shit, because I know I literally just read his book and like you're crushing the podcast, but I guess it's not that much kind of mainstream yet, dude. But, but yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you coming on, man. One more last thing before we wrap it up when it comes to, um, just the last kind of, I would say tip for the people listening, but just like, I know we already covered a few things, but just like, uh, not even just starting a podcast or starting a social media, but just like one thing that you've kind of considered from your personality traits that'll just like allow you to stay passionate about something or actually build shit. What's like that one last piece of thing that you've like, younger kids to know or something like that.
0: I mean, it's really all about just if you're the real deal or not. Like, you know, for me, I was always, uh, I was, I succeeded at the things that I was so genuinely interested in that I couldn't help myself but spend all my time doing those things. You know, in the sense that, like, I was so obsessed with BMX that I fucked up everything else in my life because I wanted to ride BMX. You know, like, I fucked up college. I fucked up relationships with girls. Because I loved BMX that much, and then I ended up making it in BMX. And then you know, and I think about rap and stuff. It's like you know, I fucked up the BMX thing because I love doing rap stuff so much that I just had to. I yeah. had to chase those dreams, you know. And that's like, that's what it is. It's like if you're if you're the real deal, then you got a shot. If you're if you're just trying to fake it, if you're just uh, you know, if, if you want to make it, you know, hey, you could go make it in the pharmaceutical industry without giving a fuck about uh, you know uh, prescription drugs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're a savvy businessman, or you find your your calling and that but if, if you want to be involved in the arts it's uh it's very hard to fake so I I know, sure. mean, it's, it's all about like you know learning and just being into shit and just fucking chasing down wormholes it's like for me it's all about like even right now if i'm not if i wasn't doing this if i wasn't in the studio working right now i would be at my house reading a book about something i'm interested in or listening to a podcast i'm interested in who knows some podcast i listen to might leave me down some wormhole because yeah, yeah. there's some interview it changes
1: my fucking life. Who knows?
0: That's. I mean, that's just what it's all about. Real shit.
1: Well, dope, bro. So for everyone listening, if you follow out, make sure you tell him that you came for the podcast. But for everyone that's not, all of his descriptions, the links to his YouTube channel, his Instagram, all that sort of stuff will be down in the description. Make sure you go check that out. But for that being said, I hope everyone had a good day. Keep killing it. Peace.